This is a Pasco Media production. Please visit pascomedia.com. Hello and welcome to the Abiding Together podcast where we desire to provide a place of connection, rest and encouragement for those of you who are on the journey with Jesus Christ as we are. My name is Sister Miriam James and I am joined as always by my lovely, illustrious, splendid co-host Heather Kim and Michelle Benzinger. It sounds like I have a stuffed up nose. It's because I was crying my eyes out right before we started recording. So I'm just going to like totally come out there with that. Heather and Michelle were very awesome receiving my little broken heart. So that's why I sound like this, y'all. It's because I was crying. The nun was crying her eyes out. So that's how I am today. (laughs) The reality is I feel like we just take turns every week we talk. It's my turn to cry. It's Michelle's turn to cry. (laughs) That's what real journeying is like, you know, with each other. It's beautiful. (laughs) Messy sometimes, but beautiful. Oh, yeah, it is messy and it is beautiful. And so, Heather, speaking of, you had quite a little adventure the other day on a school bus. Is that true? (laughs) Oh my gosh, this is the season up here. It's like the last month of school, the weather is good, and all the teachers decide to do all the field trips packed into one <laughs> one month. So we get like six permission forms for, for different field trips happening all in the next few weeks. So I just went on one, and it was like a two-hour ride. It wasn't supposed to be that long, um, and the bus driver... <laughs> seemed to like accelerate into stop signs and then slam on her brakes as quick as possible and then all the kids would scream it was amazing (laughs) (laughs) i had to restrain myself a little bit internally but we got there safe and sound and it was a super cool field trip so i can't really complain about it but my son was confirmed this week and that was really awesome it was such a beautiful experience and he was so excited and just so happy for him and his classmates and we just have such a great archbishop archbishop michael miller we are so blessed to have a shepherd like him and mm-hmm. wonderful priest so yeah that was, was beautiful it was a good week mm-hmm. how about you michelle how was your week my week was good we just got done with memorial day weekend and we went up to the lake house my mom's lake house and it was just so good and so needed it was the last day of school we loaded the kids up i took a nap every single day because it rained <laughs> like in the afternoon and That's I don't, nice. I never nap. And I mean, I took like hard naps where like you wake up and you got drool coming out of your mouth. I know like too, too much information. Yeah. Where am I? What happens? And it was just so good and restful and, you know, just playing games and fishing with the kids and um, reading books and all that kind of stuff. It was just a really great weekend. And um, on there, the power of technology, I was also able to watch my... Um, good friends and CFRs get ordained uh, to the priesthood, Father Mark Mary and all of those guys. And it was great. I loved watching the ordination online and Cardinal Dolan was amazing. Like I was so impressed with him. And I was telling uh, Father Mark Mary yesterday when I was talking to him, watching him lay his hands on the priest the whole entire time he was saying, come Holy Spirit, come Holy Spirit. He didn't stop like as each one is coming up and he was laying his hands on that. And um, there, it just gets to me every time. I don't care how many ordinations I am a par- part of or experience. Every time they lay prostrate with the litany of saints, mm-hmm. I cry. Oh, that's and that's again, that's one of the best parts of the whole thing, right there. It for is. Sure. It is. And I just think of you know them laying down their life for the church mm-hmm. and for us, the bride, and just that sacrificial love and that mm-hmm. warrior love, and you know, it's just such a beautiful thing. So I'm just really thankful for our priest and congratulations it is ordination season for all of our yeah. new priests that are coming along and um there's a really great group of men 
that are coming into the priesthood. And so I'm excited to see how it's they so encouraging. Yeah, love so and heal the bride. So it's awesome. Amen. It is encouraging. Yeah. I mean, if, if, if any of you are listening, if you've never been to an ordination before, just go. Even if you don't know the men being ordained, it's such a beautiful ceremony. Like, the whole thing is absolutely gorgeous. I would say everybody should go at least once in their life and just see what that's like. Just the, the symbolism of it and actually what happens. And yeah, it's gorgeous. It is. Um, it was really interesting and just going along with holiness and this topic. It was interesting. The feast day was uh, Philip Neri, St. Philip Neri. And he was talking about, Cardinal Dolan was talking about the state of Rome when he was there and how he really basically re-evangelized Rome. And so mm-hmm. it was really interesting. He said, so if one man could do that to Rome, what could nine men do for New York City? And I was Amen. like, oh, <laughs> bam, mic drop. You know, like, mm-hmm. I was like, did you hear that? You know, it was just really powerful. And, um, cool. you know, just. You know, there's a similar message last night um, from our archbishop. What he was saying to all the young people, our, our young people are 12 and 13 years old when they get confirmed. They're in the seventh grade. And he was saying, you know, think about Peter and all of these people who receive the Holy Spirit. He goes, it's the same Holy Spirit that you're going to receive uh, tonight. You know, it was just, a, yeah, it was just beautiful. That's yeah. incredible what happens in the sacraments that we're largely unaware of. You know, we just take for granted. We don't have any idea what's really happening to us. <laughs> yeah. He said, you know, the gift that they received of the Holy Spirit is the reason why we are sitting here today in this church in British Columbia and the faith has come to us because Amen. they said yes to the Holy Spirit. He's like, mm-hmm. what is the Holy Spirit going to do mm-hmm. with you? That's mm-hmm. <laughs> <was> awesome. <laughs> come on. Come yeah. on, Archbishop. Preach so, it, brother. <laughs> I know. I stood up. I was like, amen, brother. <laughs> No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> All the Canadians like, oh! <laughs> you talked out loud. No, don't do it. They're like, hey, what did she say? No, this isn't the Stanley Cup. Come on. Well, we're not Americans. I mean, come on. That's so funny. <laughs> well, speaking, I love it. Speaking of rejoicing and being glad. So we're going to continue our book study. So we're on chapters two and three today. So this is our second episode we're on chapters two and three. So we're going to kind of walk with you all through that and just share some insights into what we what really spoke to us. So chapter two, so chapters two and three, so two subtle enemies of holiness. And then chapter three is in the light of the master. So one talks about areas that challenge us and the other two talk, really talks about the Beatitudes, which set us free. And so we're going to speak a little bit about chapter two, which talks about two major heresies in the church um, Gnosticism and Pelagianism. And those might be terms that, you know, our, our listeners haven't heard uh, before. And they, they, I mean, he, the Pope explains what they are. But if I could just give you a very simple, simple definition of each. Now, theologians, just chill out. Okay, this is a very simple definition. Don't be like <laughs> hating on me later. Okay, you don't be like, oh, sister, she forgot this. Okay, so just calm down. All right, so Gnosticism, okay, <laughs> Heather's laughing at me. Gnosticism is, in a sense, the heresy that I'm saved by knowledge. I'm saved by a secret knowledge, okay? So if I have the knowledge, I'm saved. Pelagianism is a heresy that says I'm saved by my self-will, that I don't need God's grace, I can can justify myself, and I can do it myself. So if you want to keep that in mind, so knowledge saves, and then my own self-will saves, as we're talking about this, that might help you kind of understand, uh, just as we journey through this, about the two areas of holiness, which really it's Christ saves, right? So we cooperate with His grace, but Jesus Christ, through His grace, comes to save us, and we cooperate with that grace um, and it flows out from there, but ultimately he is our savior. We are not, neither is knowledge. So Heather, do you want to speak a bit about as you went through chapter two and the subtle area, enemies of holiness, like what were some of the things that really stuck out to you as you went through chapter two? 
Yeah, you know, my first thought is that sometimes if we don't feel like we're coming with a theological background or we're unfamiliar with those terms, we can begin to read something like this and just go, uh, I don't get this (laughs) and check out. So I just want to encourage everybody just hang in there because what he ends up talking about, and I think the way that we can process some of this is actually quite simple. And we just need to take away some of the big words, because these are things that we we all can struggle with at various times. That's and a we good may point. not even know mm-hmm. it in, in subtle ways, you know. And I think it's a good um, idea to just take time to reflect a little bit, like, when have I fallen into this, you know, maybe judging other people on what they know or don't know about the faith or the baseball bat mentality, you know, where we we try to go after people with the truth um, and do more damage than good, as if knowing things and knowing doctrines are the most important thing. And sometimes it's hard to see because it is important to know things. It is important to come to an understanding of the faith, but it's not everything. And that doesn't mean that we have a good relationship with God if we know a lot about him or if we know a lot of, a lot of theology. So I was thinking about that and, um, and I was thinking about, yeah, in my own life, like different times where I, especially with the Pelagianism part where it's like, doing everything on your own power. I was like, wow, this is such a struggle for so many people, really. You know, like we live it in various forms. And I started to ask myself the question, yeah, in what ways have my heart wandered from the Lord? And do I need to come back and just say, I'm not going to keep doing things on my own power or through my own will, through my own intellect, but I need to come into relationship with you. Michelle, what are your first thoughts on this? Yeah, like when I first read it, I was thinking, you know, like, I, like Sister was saying, like, it's always good just to have those working definitions, you know, like, um, say by knowledge, you know, and we say this a couple of times, you know, like if our theology is the study of God, but if we don't know him personally, you know, we can study all the books that we want, but he was wants an encounter with us. It's a both ends. And I think it's easy for both of them. Um, you know, I was reading the chapter and I was thinking, oh, wow, listen, thinking, oh, listen to those heretics. But then I'm thinking, okay, where am I heretic in these areas? You know, <laughs> like, go. yeah, I'm so quick to say, huh, you know, look, those people are just so theological. And I'm like, okay, where am I? You know, where oh. has, um, you know, doctrine roots us, the teachings of the church root us to grow and bloom, you know, and to bear fruit. And that is important. But we also have to, um, you know, depend on the Holy Spirit to see where I see leading us. Where am I trying to do it in my own will? You know, where am I trying to be the Savior? Where am I trying to? It was really interesting. I had a conversation on um, Thursday. No, what's today? I don't even know what today is. I did a conversation <laughs> two days ago. Like, who are you? What's who are you? Yeah. Where am I? What day is it? Um, it's summer. My kids are out of school. Um, <laughs> I don't have to know the days of the week. Anyway, uh, but we were talking my business mentor and I were talking on um, Tuesday and she's just really neat. And I really just respect her. And we were going through some things and um, she really kicked my butt on some things. She said, you are really um, relying on your own power and not relying on God in this. And she was telling me she was so interesting. She said, when you think resistance comes or trouble comes, you automatically like go, oh my gosh, we shouldn't be doing this. Or, oh my goodness. And she said, what the Lord is trying to teach you is to abide when the resistance comes and there's a peace. He's not taking away the situation. He wants you to abide and find a peace in the situation with him and watch me fight, watch him fight for me. 
you know, where I think I just like, okay, I need to will it, do it or fall apart. You know, like th those are my usually go-to moments. It's like, okay, how can I do it myself? Will it? And then if I, when I'm exhausted from doing it myself, I completely fall apart and blame God, you know? And so that, you know, that is it. But I also think those of us that, you know, wherever you are on the journey with the Lord, just the more you walk with the Lord and the more experience you are with the Lord, you know, the teachings of the church are so rich and beautiful, but there, there are times where it's not that you don't believe in the teachings of your church and absolute truth, because I totally do, but there are times where you just wrestle and see like, Lord, how is this lived out? What does this look like in my life personally? Like, how do I do this? Um, you know, how do I live in the fullness of this church? How do I do this? Especially because the church is both human and divine, you know? So when you see the humanity of the church, it's really hard not to sometimes um, either do it in your own will or get very intellectual, um, you know, with the journey with the church. So, yeah, that was what I was thinking. This chapter reminded me of this um, situation that had happened with my husband, and he shares this, that he was – uh, announcing something at church one day, like a retreat that we were doing. And a guy came up to him after mass and said, Hey, you know, like, I just wanted to know, like, who is Jesus to you? And Jake, you know, went through some theological answers of who, yell, he's the Christ, he's the Messiah. He's the, <laughs> like, he kind of went through all the things. Like we both studied theology and he kind of went that route. And after the guy walked away, he, he was really faced with this like realization that, he didn't quite know what to say when, when he said, who is he to you? He said, I really, he goes, it was like the Holy Spirit just like shed light on this area in his own heart where he said, I knew a lot about God. I knew a lot about the theology, but I didn't know what to say. Like, I didn't know like, who is Jesus really? And it sent him on this pursuit. And this is how the Holy Spirit works. It's like, it's okay if there's frailty there. It's okay if there's areas that are out of order. If we invite the Holy Spirit there to shed his light and bring healing and restoration, it propels us into deeper intimacy with God. So these are good things to look at. It's It shouldn't be like, oh my gosh, I'm a heretic. You know, <laughs> like we don't need to get rattled by things. We're sinners. We need grace, you know, and I think Pope Francis is so good at pointing that out, that that things like this shut us off to the grace of God flowing in our life. Anyway, so the whole thing um, sent Jake on this pursuit of really seeking after what was the personality of Jesus like? What would he really be like as a person? And And coming to a deep understanding of how funny he must have been and playful and and how compelling, you know, that people would just drop everything and and follow him. And it's radically changed his relationship with God. It's become deeper and more intimate, you know, as he moved beyond that. So I just, it came to mind and I just thought, you know, this is really the encouragement for all of us to invite the Holy Spirit there into those places and see how we can go deeper. That's so true. And I, I can relate to so much of what both of you are saying. And I, I like number 39, uh, Pope Francis says this, because he's talking about uh, the difference between, you know, an intellect without God, without flesh. He says a healthy, because one of the things I love about being Catholic is, you know, being Catholic, it's so rational. It's the use of faith and reason, as John Paul II had a beautiful, you know, cyclical about that very thing. That's, you know, faith and reason are the two wings that help the soul fly. So but what Pope Francis is saying here, he says a, a healthy, number 39, a healthy and humble use of reason in order to reflect on the theological and moral teaching of the gospel is one thing. It is another to reduce Jesus' teaching to a cold and harsh logic that seeks to dominate everything. 
And so I think there's always a both and. And that's what I love. You know, there's a, the, as Bishop Barron talks about, vibrant paradoxes. That it's not the denial of the use of, of reason, um, because Christianity is actually very reasonable. It's very rational. God is order. He's logos. He's, he's reason to himself. Um, but it's always in balance, right? So we have an intellect for a purpose, and we must develop our intellect. And that's united to the, the, in-depth, the indwelling of the Holy Spirit that brings us beyond our intellect, right, into the very heart of God. So it's always important. And I think, you know, especially also in the Pelagianism where we seek to save ourselves or, you know, it's just very interesting in my own journey of seeing the parts where I've tried to save myself. If I try really hard, I'm going to save myself. If I try really hard, I'm going to be lovable. If I try really hard here, God's going to be pleased with me and I won't have a time out. You know, it's kind of funny how we see God at times and realizing more and more that I'm lovable because he loves me and that love is never withdrawn. And so through the use of my will, I cooperate with his grace, but his grace is always a free gift first, right? So I think this is always that thing of, you know, my, you know, Heather and I both, well, all of us, I think we know my spiritual director and he often speaks about poverty, you know, the poverty of spirit, the poverty of coming to the Lord as you are, and being loved there, and, and, and that's okay. That Jesus is not expecting you to come any other way than as you are before him in all of our poverty and just to be loved there. And if that is what pleases him, that is what pleases him, you know, that he's not dismayed by that. And so I'm just thinking about that so much of many times I'm trying to, without realizing it, it's just one of the modes that I've gotten in in my life of just having to save myself or figure it out on my own or nobody's going to do this for me. So, I mean, I think we all have those times where you feel like you're the only one. So if, if somebody's going to do it, you better do it. Because God's not going to show up, so you better, especially if he's delaying a bit, in our own opinion. <laughs> so it's just that, you know, it's really true. It's the abiding, what Michelle was talking about. It's the abiding. It's the realizing who Christ is, is what you're talking about, Heather. This, And that's really what leads us into the third chapter of, you know, the heart of the master, which is revealed through the Beatitudes. And that's such a rich, um, Michelle, do you want to talk a bit about that, chapter three, about, you know, the heart of the master and just the rich Beatitudes and what Pope Francis is pointing us to in the light of the master and how, what it means to be happy and blessed. Yeah, I think it was really interesting. I think Pope Francis did a really great job of taking this chapter two. You know, he says in chapter two, um, I think it's what, uh, 57? Um, at the very end, he says, rather than being passionate about, commu- um, he wants us to be, be passionate about communicating the beauty and joy of the gospel and seeking out the lost among the immense crowds that thirst for Christ. Oh, and um, I loved, loved that line, you know, um, and he says the gospel that tends to be reduced and constricted, deprived of its simplicity, allure and savor. And he's talking about when we are very much rules and um, doctrine or without the personal relationship, you know, and GK Chesterton says, you know, our faith is a love affair and it is the deepest romance. And at the very end of chapter two, Pope Francis talks about loving your neighbor and you seeing really coming um, in contact with Christ, the person with the poor. You know, and I think that is the beautiful. And then he, you know, segues into the Beatitudes. Blessed are. And I think for us, like to experience God in the poor, experiencing God in our neighbor, um, is just a powerful thing. And the blessed are, you know, these different things. And I think for us, um, when we encounter, especially the poor, it shows us our poverty and reveals to us Christ in a real and tangible way. 
And I love what Flannery Connor says, you know, when we get like all doctrine and get all, you know, head knowledge, she always says that smugness is the greatest Catholic sin. You know, when we think we have all this, like, like, you know, we have all the truth, but when we have all that truth and it is not displayed in our life, especially how we encounter the poor, wherever the poor, whoever the poor is in your midst, then that, um, you know, it's interesting. I was getting out of my car today. And um, we have a lot of homeless in Pensacola because they come down because the weather is warm. And I was got out of my car and I was in a rush and I looked at this man and you could tell he was um, he had a sign that he was a vet. And then I stopped. I went and got some cash, which I never have cash in my purse, but got cash. But and I was just going to give him some cash and just keep on going. Like, aren't I a good person? Whatever. And God's like, no, you look at him, Michelle. You look at him and look at his eyes and he is a person. I was just so convicted because yes, I was doing the external things like, look at me. I'm really good. I'm giving him some money for whatever, but really I was just doing it to check it off a list and not to, um, see that he's a human person, you know, and see the dignity and see that he is Christ, um, personified and the poor, you know, and there's something beautiful about that. And so Pope Francis goes into the Beatitudes and, you know, I love how he starts it off because we want a quick fix, like the beginning of the Beatitudes. What must one do to be a good Christian? <laughs> Give us like five easy steps to become a good Christian, a good Catholic this or a good Catholic that, or, you know, where we get to heaven. Don't we want this quick fix? And we want a rule book and a manual. And when this situation happens, see letter B. This is what you do, you know. But God said, no, it is blessed are. And he starts with the Beatitudes, which are just... I love the Beatitudes because I think they're messy, beautiful love. That is what they are. They are messy, beautiful love. Um, And we can only practice, I love what he says in number 65, we can only practice them, the Beatitudes, if the Holy Spirit fills us with his power and frees us from our weakness, our selfishness, our complacency, and our pride. And I was like, oh, yeah. Totally. But again, it, it goes back to that idea of it's not up to us. Like, it's not just about doing it on our own power. We actually have to have an, a, a vibrant, personal, daily, moment by moment, you know, relationship with the Holy Spirit where we're inviting his power so that we can do, we can love like this. We can love in the hard things. I love it when it says the Beatitudes are like a Christian's identity card. <laughs> it just made me think like... This is this is a good to sit with this chapter. I thought I need to do this to sit with this chapter and go through almost like a an examine. You know how good of a Christian am I? Okay, let me just sit with the Beatitudes and his explanation here and see how I'm doing in my spiritual life. It's good. It's really convicting. It's so good. Yeah, because it's really a life for others, and that's really what he says over and over again. Is you know how am I living for others? You know. And uh, I, we were listening to a podcast. I was passing one along to Heather and Michelle, and and uh, the guest on the podcast was saying, you know, how often we ask ourselves, you know, how's my life working for me? He says, really, the question we should be asking ourselves is, how's my life working for other people? <laughs> oh, <laughs> you know, so I mean, good. and it's true. Like, you know, you can speak to millions of people across the world, and everybody thinks you're wonderful. But if you can't treat the person you live with with kindness, what are you doing? Like, and I'm saying that to myself. Like, what am I doing? You know, and it's just such a convicting thing of you know, uh, of where, like my favorite beatitude is blessed are the pure in heart. And where he's talking about here is that God sees into the depths of our hearts and he knows, he knows all things. And you know, that I'm authentically loving people, the the people that God sends into my life, the people that he entrusts me to love, you know, that I'm loving them authentically from the heart and, uh, seeing God in them, 
And that's because that's the truth. That's who they are. And if, if I can't see that, that's not their problem. It's mine. Mm-hmm. And so just like really that call of like just a deeper call to love excellently, to be present to people and just to, you know, he talks about later how people can become an inconvenience to <clears throat> us through hedonism and consumerism. People are just a mere inconvenience to whatever my ends are. And holy cow, man, people are never an inconvenience. They never are. And how often I miss that, you know? <laughs> Yeah, well, I mean, seeing that is what has led us into where we are as a society with abortion and euthanasia. You know, that, that people are an inconvenience, that suffering is an inconvenience. Oh, yeah. The loss of the dignity of the person. I love on uh, in 72 where he says, St. Therese of Lisieux tells us that perfect charity consists in putting up with others' mistakes and not being scandalized by their yeah, it's so much easier for us <laughs> to just stay in our little boxes <laughs> on the inside and yep. look to everybody on the outside as if they're not as good as us. So or true. you know, if I get it all right, if I do, do all the rubrics right at mass, if I pray this way, if I fold my hands tight enough, if I squeeze my eyes tight enough. You know what I mean? Like yeah. it's all in the human form, and there's nothing wrong with beautiful liturgy and no, you know, of course, devout it has prayers. to be gorgeous. It's, it's yeah. So it's so yeah. important, you know. But if it stops there. Yeah. And it doesn't extend out as the hands and, and feet of Christ into the world, into the messiest places, mm. you know, then what does it mean? You know, mm. I've, I've often thought I'm probably four decisions away from being most people who are on the street. Yeah. Really. You know, I think we all are. We'd yeah. like to think we're further away than that. But we're not. No, but, we're not above I, anything. Yeah. Yeah. I don't yep. think we are. No. I'm like, I am a weak person and, yep. and my need for God is immense. You know, I think we're all in the same boat. Yeah. And sister, you could to this. I think there's something so beautiful about the 12 step program, like Uh that, you know, just identifying that you, you know, I am powerless, you know, step one, I am powerless and I need a God to come in. And it was interesting when I was doing my silent retreats, the spiritual director looked at me, the priest said, you know, really, we're all in recovery in some way, shape or form. You know, some have external you know, recovery that they have to do, but really we're just in recovery from the fall of man and fall of, you know, sin and our condition. And, um, we all need to know like, okay, step one, I am powerless, you know, and there's a God that needs to come in and do. It. And I think that is what he's talking about. Like even the poverty of spirit, um, yeah. just having, you know, like realizing that we are all in recovery for the human condition, for being the, the fall of a sin and fall of man and you know that we are all this there's going to be a poverty in spirit and that just means that i am weak but god is so rich and we identify this like oh my gosh i am weak he is strong and then that's when the beautiful exchange happens you know then he gives us exchanges um we take his strength and we give him our weakness but we want to hold on to both of it we want his strength our weakness and let's just make it all together a little cocktail and drink that. So, which it doesn't work that way. Like we have to surrender and we have to give up and acknowledge who he is in our lives. Oh, that's so true. And I was just listening to a video clip the other day about, um, this guy who was talking about his own struggle with depression and it wasn't his willing until his willingness to kind of come to show up to life and show up with God, just in all honesty that his life began to heal. And he said, you know, I really realized that wholeness Wholeness is not my idea of perfection or perfectionism. He said, wholeness is accepting all the parts of you and offering them to God. And he said, it's then when you are part of the human race. So somebody comes up to you and tells you, oh my gosh, this happened to me, or I'm struggling with this addiction. He said, I just look at them now and I say, welcome to the human race. <laughs> mm-hmm. And you're like, amen, brother. Like, yeah, amen. That, that mm-hmm. uh, whole reality of the coming to God 
yeah, and I would highly rec. Well, I'd highly recommend a twelve step program to anybody, definitely too. But it's just so true. And I, and one hundred seven, number one hundred seven. I love the quote from Saint Teresa of Calcutta. It's so beautiful, and she says this. Number one hundred seven. She says, "Yes, I have many human faults and failures, but God bends down and uses us. He uses you and me to be His love and His compassion in the world. He bears our sins, our troubles, and our faults." And he depends on us to love the world and to show how much he loves it. If we are too concerned with ourselves, then we have no time left for others. Mm. Mm. <laughs> That's so good. Yeah. That's so good. Yeah. I think, you know, he talks in there about uh, forgiveness and uh, there's so, oh, this chapter yeah. is so rich. I feel yeah. like we could talk about this for at least another hour. We could, yeah. But I think in this, you know, like as St. Teresa says about human faults and failures, when we become aware of that and we're able to really lean into the unfathomable mercy of God that is so undeserved, then we're able to extend that to other people, mm. you know. Mm-hmm. But if you never realize your weakness or you don't acknowledge it, you don't admit it, you run from it, you avoid it, then you don't recognize your need for a Savior. So true. And it's really hard to extend that same mercy to other people. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It will always be theoretical, rather empathy from the heart, right, an exchange mm-hmm. of hearts, mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, sorry. Yeah, we listeners. Sorry, we had to squish those two in uh, in one episode. But yeah, I'd highly recommend. I'm sure you'll be you know just enlightened yourself as you read through it and just both chapters, but especially one of the beatitudes of like yeah how how we how are we showing up to life for others and where are we allowing God's grace to heal us and to call us you know more deeply into His excellent love. Um, and I would just for each you know yeah. like Heather said, this is not a chapter to go through quickly. It is to sit mm-hmm. through every single one. You know, mm-hmm. every single beatitude. You know, blessed are the peacemakers. You know, mm-hmm. He's not telling us to keep peace. He's telling us to make peace. So how do we need to make peace? You know, blessed are the pure in the hearts. You know, blessed mm-hmm. are the, um, especially the blessed are who mourn, as very, for they wow. will be comforted. I think for us. Um, there's a lot of tragedy that goes on throughout the world. And we're almost like, especially like in the United States right now, like, okay, another school shooting, another school shooting. And we almost become numb to it. And we really have to stop and turn around and say, no, we have to mourn with these people. You know, we have to be aware, you know, and mother Teresa also says, you know, we have no peace because we've forgotten we belong to one another. And I think for those of us that live in the Western world, instead of developing countries, you know, that we forget that we are communal, that we belong to one another, that we are a body. We are very individualistic, which serves us well in some areas. But in other areas, we forget that we are our neighbor's keeper. We are a brother's keeper and we are sister's keeper. And so he goes on at the later, at the end of the chapter, just talk about each person's human dignity. And I think that is what the Beatitudes is. It's our Christian identity card, but it's a lens to see the different people in their fullness of human dignity and who they are. And it was really interesting. I had to do an interview a couple of days ago and it was more of a secular thing. And I, she was trying to, the person was very gentle and very nice. So if they're listening, um, they're very kind, but it was funny. She was totally calling around on this, totally trying to trip me up and see like if she could get me. So she said, would you define yourself as a feminist? That's what the question was. And I said, yes, in this context, I said, please, you know, keep me verbatim. I said, in this context, if you think a feminist is for women to come into the fullness of who she is in all human dignity and to be equal and to live into her femininity into the fullness that she is from conception to death, then I am a feminist. I think women should have every right, 
you know, that they should, that they, you know, they should be treated equal with human dignity and celebrated. And I said, but I also would consider myself a masculinist because I raised four boys. And I said, and I also think my boys need to be, um, you know, and and that they need to be celebrated and they need to be like, you cannot lift up one gender to the detriment of another, you know, and they need to come into the fullness of who they are from conception to death. And I was like, and then I would consider myself for a humanist. Because I'm for all human beings, you know, and I said, everyone is created in God's image and likeness and dignity and, and God created each and every person and said it was good. So I said, if you would say that, then I'm all of the above. And she's like, yeah, she was so funny. She was like, okay. And she started laughing. She's like, you totally got me on that one. And so it was just good. But I'm like, okay, well, for me, I just hate being put, and this goes back to chapter two. I hate being put in a box or a label, like she's liberal or she's conservative, she's this way or that way. If we are Catholic, we are all of the above. The Catholic Church is a huge treasure chest. So we are Marian. We are filled with the Holy Spirit. We are sacramental. We are scripture-based. We are for the poor. We are social justice. We are, we are all of the above. So don't narrow our definition of who we are. If we are children of God, we have a very broad definition and do not put us in a box. So... Soapbox, I will get down. Oh, girl. You know, there's some people going, amen. They're shouting in their car right now. <laughs> I love you, Michelle. Oh, that's great. Well, yeah. Well, amen on that one. So, uh, well, we are at a time. Unfortunately, we'd let Michelle go on, but we'll, we'll curtail her until next time. We'll let her get back on that soapbox. Um, that's why we love her. So it's time for our one thing for the week. Um, I'm just going to go ahead and start, y'all. So my uh, came across this beautiful reflection by John Paul II, called A Meditation on Givenness, and it is astoundingly beautiful. He wrote it well before his death, but it wasn't published till after his death on what it means to be given to one another as male and female and as the human person, and it is absolutely gorgeous. It's not a very long read, but it is so exquisitely rich. So A Meditation on Givenness, um, which I will put the link on uh, for, as a PDF file. You're going to love it. So it's it's blessed me so deeply, and I, I haven't stopped thinking about it since I first read it. So. Mm. There you go, people. What about you, Miss Heather? So good. Um, mine is another podcast. It's a very practical podcast on leadership. So it's Craig Rochelle's Leadership Podcast. And I keep listening to it, you know, on and off. And I think for anybody who's in leadership, whether you run a company or you're on a, you know, you, you're a principal at a school or whatever it might be, this podcast is, it's really good, really practical. And even for priests and religious who are in leadership positions, I just thought this is one area that we don't often have developed mm-hmm. well, and mm-hmm. it can help us actually do ministry more effectively um, when we have some of these skills. So he's super good. He's a Christian and just speaks really well. Craig Rochelle. Michelle, what's your one thing? My, yeah, my one thing is what I mentioned earlier is just um, a celebration of great priests. You know, the ordination uh, celebration of the CFRs getting ordained and just other great priests. Um, Father's Day is coming up and it's just I've been really reflecting on what spiritual fatherhood looks like. You know, for many of us here, you know, especially, you know, sister and I, like, we would not be where we are today if it was not for great priests and spiritual fathers. So just really commending them and, um, you know, and just all the fathers that we have. Um, My husband is just an exceptional father, you know, I'm biased, but... um, I just, oh, I just saw him today, and I, that's exactly what I was affirming in him. I was like, man, Chris, I've been praying for you 
for days and I said, you're just such a good father. I said, I can't just, you're such a good man and such a good husband. I said, you're such a good father. Like, I just wanted to tell you that. So yeah. Amen, dude. I will totally tell you, he is the much better parent in this relationship. So I I will totally be, he is just really good. Well, dear listeners, we were going to go ahead and finish our little three-part series next week, uh, chapters four and five of Pope Francis's apostolic exhortation, uh, rejoice and be glad. So journey along with us. You want to read ahead or you want to go ahead and just kind of come along with us on the journey. We'll be doing that next week. And if you like our podcast, would you please share it with a friend? You can find us on iTunes. You can find us on abidingtogetherpodcast.com. Click on any of the icons and you'll find discussion questions and all of the links to our one thing and all good things. Sign up for an emailing list so you know as soon as the episode comes out and leave us a review, leave us a rating. We love to hear from you. And so uh, rejoice, dear friends. You are deeply loved and God is always there for you. So until next week, we will be abiding together. God bless you. Have a wonderful week.